Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the podcast that delves under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. And when it comes to the paranormal, we are trying to bridge the gap between those who believe in anything and those who dismiss everything. And Ben, what have you got for us today? Okay, so after the topics that we've covered, I've been thinking a lot about the relationship between uh, ghosts and entities that um, create paranormal phenomena. So we've spoken yeah. recently about you know EVPs and things like that. And one of the most surprising things that came out of those conversations was that it isn't just people or uh, animals, you know, sentient things that cause hauntings. And that made me think, so a a lot of the time when we've been doing these things, when we've been speaking to people, maybe be speaking to our friends or family, and we've mentioned to them what the topic of a particular podcast is, um, I've been sort of slightly taken aback about the reaction that I've gotten. It turns out it seems a lot of people have a story. So I did a bit of an experiment and I took, um, I've had um, email accounts for, well, uh, you know, Hotmail and Gmails um, for at least 20 years. And so I went through all of my contacts and picked out a few interesting people, people that uh, are not into, you know, as in inverted commas, into the paranormal and asked if they had any interesting stories relating to being haunted by something that wasn't an end, you know, a a human or an animal. And that's good because this is that's a bit like. I think we talked about this a little bit when we did the uh, Objects of Evil one, didn't we? That's so we right. Were quite, we were quite fascinated by the fact that, you know, what seemingly seemingly inanimate objects, how does that work? How do they become haunted? James Dean's car, for instance, we talked about, um, the Annabelle Dole and all that stuff. It is fascinating, that. And we both said it. We almost, in some ways, found it scarier than than the other stuff. But yeah. Yeah. So it'd be great if it'd be interesting to see what you came up with with your spamming effectively. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my this initial spam led me on a little bit of a journey, and so let me. This is the this is the story that came back. So I'll be completely honest. Uh, mostly, I didn't get a response, but I got a response from somebody who was asked to remain anonymous. Um, right. But that's only because this isn't really their field but i can tell you that they are a retired physicist and um, somebody that i have dealt with extensively in the past in you know in a different part of my life and i know so 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 somebody who's got a logical yes scientific brain or lean at least exactly um and yeah and that's that's how um they live their life um i know for a fact that they are you know, a straight down the line, um, definite, you know, sort of atheist, very scientific point of view about everything in the world. Yeah, yeah. And he told me this little story that exactly fits into that world of it's not just people. So it all starts 
way back in the very late 1970s. And him and his wife are just married. And they're looking for a place to live. And they know that they uh, don't want to live anywhere sort of normal. They've, they've both been, um, I suppose you could say, uh, uh, hippies in, in the past. The, him and his wife met in uh, a commune. And they were quite into that sort of lifestyle and definitely didn't want to get into, you know, a semi-detached three-bedroom house. Up, in, two up, two in, down. That's right. Washing the car on a Sunday. That, they yeah. That, I, they're not those kind They of are not those people. And uh, one day they went to view a property and they were completely enamoured. It's a property down a lane in uh, the uh, county of Herefordshire, in the UK it's quite a rural county and going down this lane once upon a time and and I say once upon a time this being about 1978 there had been a few houses down this street largely uh, uh, workers at the local farm um, people who were tending apple orchards or even apple orchard owners themselves but this lane is an unmade lane and the house itself sits on a floodplain and that meant that as uh, time went on, more and more people had abandoned the area. And so some of those houses had fallen into rack and ruin. But there was one terrace which had been turned into two houses. So it was originally three houses. And the house that they were looking at was two houses put together. And then there was an old lady living next door. Right. And it's... Uh, it came with a good amount of land, including apple orchards and arable fields where it would be possible to graze sheep, keep goats, that sort of thing. It's kind of like the uh, the rural idyll for anybody that doesn't want to join in on, uh, you know, uh, uh, a close-knit community sort of living right. on each other's uh, backyards kind of thing. And they fell in love with it and they bought it. I don't think I've fallen in love with it. It sounds great. And <laughs> the house itself, they couldn't find out exactly, but it looks like it dates back to the 1600s, the early 1600s. It still had a priest hole somewhere, um, you know, during uh, persecution times, people would, would hide the priest in case they were found out. It also had a pig hole and the pig hole was when... Uh, the place flooded and you needed to get your pig into a safe place in the house because that floodplain, it had always been on a floodplain. So oh, you, you get I'm, the... Uh, I'd never heard of a pig hole. You never heard of a pig that's, hole? That's, oh, that's a new one for me. Oh, so so what it, in what was their living room that they turned it into, um, uh, at the top of the ceiling was a sort of a big flap kind of thing that you pull back and you got some ladders... And you basically hoist your hog in there and it's big enough for <laughs> the pig brilliant. to live so you don't lose the pig because that this house they're, was they're built. They're valuable, right? They're really valuable, yes, because, you know, once a year you slaughter the pig and it keeps you in meat for the entire year. So you get the idea. It's really, really old. Yeah. And they had moved in and they'd been there about a week. And they were new to the area. They'd actually moved from uh, the Brighton area, so they didn't know the the place at all. And 
they realised that they had quite a lot of land and they decided to go for a walk across uh, this this land and see see where they what they owned. And so they came out of the house and walked around the apple orchards. Now, it needed a bit of work and they were just kind of noting down like what they could do themselves, what they could maybe ask friends and family to do and looking at business opportunities as well. Um, because it had this sort of well-established apple orchard, there was a thought, you know, maybe sell for cider. Hereford is a big cider place. You know, all these little things that could be done to um, sort of make you more economically viable in such a place. Yep. And so he describes they've been walking for about an hour and a half around the land. And in the distance across the other side of a field, they see a cottage and they decide well okay it's on the edge of our land we should probably go and say hello and you know make make our presence known see see what these people are like so they start walking across the grass and they get a little bit closer and it's a, they can see that it's a very very well maintained cottage it's got some thatch on it it's wattle and daub, so that's a, a white and black fronted house. And yep. as they get closer still, they see that there are trees and a well-kept garden at the front. And they can see that there's a sign of life. There's what looks to be a person walking around out the front of the, uh, the house. And so they're thinking, oh, great well they're outside that just makes our life easier we don't have to sort of awkwardly knock on the door we can just go up wave <laughs> say, say who we are um it's terribly terribly english and <laughs> this is a you know this is a big field he describes so you know another couple of minutes later they see that this is definitely a woman now they see and she's outside the front of the house and she's holding a kettle an old-fashioned kettle, so the sort of kettle that you would hang over a fire. And yep. so, obviously, that's there's nothing scary about that at all. So they, they carry a walking. And then this... Did they get a cup of tea? That's what I want to do. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> so this woman comes forward towards them and... He says that they're maybe about 500 yards away now. So can't make out any features, but can see the house, can see the detail that the smoke coming out of the chimney and all of that. She comes out of the front gate that they can now see in the garden and starts moving quite quickly towards them. And he describes having a feeling that he'd never felt before some kind of weird terror feeling this is something i guess we've encountered before when we've been talking about black-eyed kids and stuff i think that's as soon as you said it it sounded black-eyed kidsy with that just i mean it it, it's logical because there is something somebody charging at you would make you see a word but it's it's almost multiplied by 10 isn't it right fear if that makes sense yeah but you know, to all intents and purposes, all they're seeing is an old woman who is tending a well-looked-after garden out the front of an old, well-maintained yep. cottage. But he said there was something not right about it, and he doesn't know what was not right about it. But they both turned 
and ran. Him and his wife turned and ran. And they got home, and it was quite a long way. They, They moved very, very fast. And over the next couple of days, they post-rationalized it and felt like why did we do that maybe she was just being enthusiastic maybe she needed help maybe maybe we actually did the wrong thing maybe she was looking for someone to help her with something and we I've ran got a vision away of the woman i've got a vision of the woman going oh, i was only going to offer them a cup of yes tea, for god's sake that's exactly that's exactly what they you can they see thought. why you would go for that right you'd start thinking that wouldn't you just go oh, god what have we done we've been so irrational to just run off you, you know? would you would exactly think that and you'd also start thinking like gosh what if she what if her husband had collapsed or something um yeah, because yeah. you know with the late 70s it's quite possible that she didn't even have electricity let alone a phone a in phone that super yeah, rural yeah. location yeah so, so 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 they run home they put the pig in the pig what's it called <laughs> they they have no <laughs> just, pig they, they, they just in case the pig hole they find something else to put in the pig hole i'll yeah. leave that i'll leave that to your imagination <laughs> to be fair he doesn't go into any detail about um the, the pig, pig hole. hole no fair enough but they go back to the location and they're sure it's the location because there's a there's a path around the 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 expanse of the property that leads past it and they know right. all the landmarks and the house isn't there there is no sign of anything there's just wow, some trees nothing. and some shrubbery there's nothing absolutely nothing wow. and they briefly looked into some records and because of its rural location again it's not like it's on the edge of a town or anything the records are pretty scarce and in a lot of cases there was this old law in the uk that if you um, found some common land and if you started building a house at dusk if you managed to get the roof on by dawn oh really that you owned the ha- the property the the land the house was built on and anything else that you managed to enclose during that period so it was quite well, common that people communities would come together and build these houses on common land and help each other out and help each other done. out yeah. Right, yeah and so any kind of recordings of those things tend to be uh, largely anecdotal until you move much much more further forward in time when there was a more formalised, you know, you start getting charged council tax or rates yeah. or thing, well, things there, like that. There's a slight aside. There was that, again, for our listeners in America, they probably won't have heard this story, but there was a famous one in the UK a while back where um, there was another rule that if you'd built a property on your land, because you have to get planning permission to build a property, and no one has complained within, I think it was a 10-year period, it was allowed to stay. And there was quite a famous one where a guy built a house inside a barn <laughs> and left it there for 10 years and then knocked the barn down. And, of course, nobody had complained for 10 years, so he got away with this this kind of breach of the law, and I think they had to change the law to stop that happening again. But oh, sounds a bit complete genius. It's, it's a great idea, isn't it? But it sounds a bit similar to this. You get everybody together at dusk yes, and just get them to build this house. Okay. Yeah. So I so we don't know we don't know if there was a house on no. that location or not. No, right. we we have no ideas. So certainly he said in subsequent time they he you know he wandered over had a look there were no obvious ruins. It wasn't yeah. on their land. 
And like with most of those, you know, if this happened to you or I, after the, you know, the passing of time, you start going, oh, did I really see that? Did I? But it's interesting they were both together. Yeah, so they both. They, they if they've had a delusion, they've had a joint delusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and which he seems unlikely. Uh, and, and he says nothing before or since ever weird, has, has, has ever happened. But that. So in that instance, if we go down the route of the 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 woman that you know again in inverted commas was um, a phantom, then she's bought with her the entire uh-huh. house or we could look at it the other way around and say the house is you know the, the house has bought the human with it it's hard to know which way round you yeah, go yeah. right or or it's you know i know it's i don't know if it would stretch to stone tape theory but it's a, a land based organic version of that that some maybe it's replaying some scene from hundreds of years ago that they just spotted i don't know well yeah so the the tape theory it i think that's what's interesting about this incident is that the tape theory could possibly replay the house but he describes this this well uh, we'll say we'll say woman because he says that's what it looks like looking at them and then running towards them and that ha- that seems to suggest an element of consciousness and yeah, interaction yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of why i think that is such a fascinating and interesting tale and and something like and genuinely until i'd put that uh call out i hadn't really come across anything quite like that so then i started looking around and lo and behold, I found quite a few instances of people talking about like, literally houses that haunt. And one of the first places that that had that that kind of mirage their way into existence. Basically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, I I suspect a lot of our listeners who are uh, in the Suffolk area might know this, but this is new to me. It's uh, called the Ruffham Mirage. So Ruffham is a. Oh, it's actually called a mirage, literally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it's that is what it's it's known as. Right. Uh, and I do hope that I'm saying uh, the name Ruffham correctly, but apparently this is uh, something that's been happening for at least 150 years, and people describe. So there's a stretch of road between a place called Bradfield St George. And Ruffham Green. So this is for our, for our US and world listeners. This is in the south of England, right? Yeah, this is sort of southeast of yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, people describe a stately home that appears and then vanishes without <sighs> leaving a trace. So there are multiple witnesses who have a very similar story. So they talk about the sudden appearance of a grand red, uh, red brick mansion house, Georgian in style, and they say it's got elaborate gardens. And then as they get closer to have a, have a better look, it simply disappears. The first 
reported just, sighting that I I'll found. I'll just see it probably disappears with the 10 quid that you spent on car parking. As well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not National Trust, it's fine. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, the first recorded sighting that I could find was uh, by a gentleman called Robert Palfrey uh, in 1860. And he describes that he was enjoying the last night of, Ju- of a June evening in the fields of Ruffham uh, when he felt a chill in the air. And he goes on to tell that suddenly from nowhere, a large red brick house appeared. And in his own words, he says its gardens were filled with summer blooms. Mm. Interestingly, the next sighting that is recorded is Robert Palfrey's grandson, a chap called Robert Cobbold. And this is 52 years Mm. later. He was riding a pony trap close to the village and he was with his friend and butcher, this is an important detail, George Waylett. And again, he describes the temperature dropping, the horse rearing up in fear. Uh, Waylett was thrown to the ground. There was a strange noise as if the air was being displaced. And once again, where there had been just a moment ago an empty field, stood a huge three-storey Georgian building with its, gourd- uh, with its gardens again in full bloom. Wow. Uh, so, sorry, his granddad was the one who saw it. That's first. right, yeah, yeah. And then he saw it, what, was it 52 years later or whatever? It was 52 it was, years it? later, yes, wow, yes. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, and I guess the what, what, because you would say if he was on his own, that, you know, he's obviously a story he's probably heard as a child and imagined it or whatever but it sounds like he had other people with him as well so yeah yeah well well, so so the reason that this account mentions his friend the butcher is that apparently so he describes after after they're both thrown out of this trap by the rearing horse the butcher says to him, that's the third time I've seen that happen. Uh, <laughs> What's that? This vision? Uh, yeah, this, yeah wow. he's seen that three times. And um, the way that this is recorded is that uh, Cobbold told this tale to an amateur gardening magazine in 1975. And apparently that magazine then turned up two more sightings of this, <laughs> this, ver- this very thing. Which, again, I, I mean... <laughs> Even if it's a big gardening magazine, it's probably it's quite a niche uh, publication, oh. and their readership had also heard of it. So you've got to think it's probably broader than than that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's another entertaining account uh, of this in 1923. Uh, a young school teacher, Ruth Wynn, was on a countryside ramble. <laughs> These are, again, her own words, with her with, with a ten-year-old pupil. It's a bit weird, but you know we'll go with it. Different times. Different different times. As they walked down a path, they found a brick wall to a large estate, green, yellow in colour and supporting huge iron gates. They decided to find out more about the estate back at home. When they asked about the grand house, no one could offer any help. There was, they were told, no grand mansion house where they had walked. When the pair retraced their steps, the wall and gates were nowhere to be seen. Wow. And is there any, uh, any backstory to the house? Is, it, is there any is, any... is it just some random appearance or is there some backstory that goes along with this house and the location? 
Well, that it's interesting you should say that. So there are some early 18th century maps that show a large house in the location that most of the sightings happen. Oh, okay. uh, and it's possibly a building called King's Hall. But there are, there are no other records, and it seems unlikely there'd be no records of a Georgian-style house huh. uh, or that it wouldn't be remembered in 1860. So you've got... So the 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 implication being the map maker may have just seen this thing and put it on. Right, yes. Uh, That's exactly right. That's exactly right, yes. Because we've we've got an 18th century map showing the house in the location, but we've got our first sighting in 1860 where they're surprised to find this occurring in, in a field out of nowhere. That's incredible. Yeah. So various people throughout the ages um, have tried to give a theory about uh, Ruffham's vanishing house, as some people call it. So some just put it down to uh, a mirage. Some put it down to a time slip. Whatever a time slip is, that seems like a very convenient um, thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I found a, a bit of a insight. There was there's an investigator uh, called Carl Groves, and I don't know much more about him because I, I found this reference just in a, a, a local paper. But this investigator, it's claimed that he had a theory that the area had some kind of unusual energy which caused the house to appear. And he went on to reference cases of... Uh, and I'm going to use that phrase for the third time in this podcast, in inverted commas, whirling vortices when people were using metal detectors or dowsing rods in the area. And he believed that the altered energy can enable people to see visions of the past. Now, that kind of just sounds rambling to me. That doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't seem like... uh, A bit convoluted. It is. is, Yeah, and it, it just kind of sounds like nonsense. Interesting. There was a Mandela effect thing that just reminded me of. There there was an island off Australia, wasn't there, that was on maps, but actually, when people went back to it, uh, it didn't actually exist. Uh, Uh, It's been it's been connected. It's been connected with the Mandela effect. Uh, Um, That's right. And there's also another one. uh, Well, it might be the same. High Brazil. Is that what the one you're referring to? No, it's not. I can't remember the name of the one. I was just doing a little Google, but I. I wanted to hear your story, so I I I didn't do a big Google, but um, but it reminded me that there are there are examples of these things that are mistakenly put on maps that could be you know some kind of mirage that people have logged in old maps as something rather than because they did tests on this location and it wasn't like the island had sunk or disappeared or whatever there was it, it just didn't exist but it was on maps. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, then people linked it to the Mandela effect, but, you know, unless the Mandela effect um, has been going on for years and years and years and over hundreds of years, in this case, I can't see that it applies in the same way. But No, well, one of the interesting things that people... It, the, it, what seems common with accounts of this particular incident is the repeated claim that the atmosphere was eerily cold and silent and the last account that i have and i think like we've always said you you have to 
assume that the human mind has infinite capacity for creativity, but there is, uh, for some people, there is no impetus to lie because of the damage that it could do. And I think that applies in this case. In 1998, the daughter of a rector living at Ruffham Green Rectory, where yeah. uh, this this lady lived, she burst into the local pub in tears, claiming to have seen the ghostly mansion. So there is a much more contemporary account there. And I think, you know, the daughter of a rector, that that's not going to go down well with the congregation seeing ghost mansions. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a pretty interesting tale. That's so incredible. I put the... Uh, I, I I spread the net a little wider uh-huh. and I wondered if anybody had actually been into one of these buildings because that would obviously be the next level. And then I discovered this brilliant little tale and it involves the wonderful... So the investigator who looked into this... Um, he gave the name of our our heroine of the tale, the young English girl. He calls yeah. her Doll Feet. So when I talk about Doll Feet, it is they, this is the pseudonym for the woman that this happened to. Yeah. And in 1981, this girl has cause to go to Piccadilly Circus, London Underground station so even 1991 this is this is so 1981 we're still talking this is a pretty modern environment it, it won't look too dissimilar to the way it does today and anybody that um, doesn't know london piccadilly circus is just about the busiest part of london there's an old phrase in in the uk if if somewhere's busy you go oh it's like piccadilly circus around here and that's because it is super busy and it's really famous for its giant now electronic um advertising hoarding there and the reason that she's going there to piccadilly circus is because she's going for a job interview and on her way to the job interview she discovers that she is quite early and as most of us would do she looks around and as she's just coming out of the underground station this is just at the point where she realizes she's early she goes into a cafe and in that cafe she she just orders some tea and some snacks and she describes there are various people in that cafe there is um, one of the people that she describes, she calls her the grumpy old woman, but there's a, there's a grumpy old woman who's another customer, and she mm. describes a number of waitresses, the people that serve her, wearing pink gingham, like I suppose you'd call them American-style diner yep. dresses, sort of mid-calf white trainers, you know the sort, and yep. she, gets her, she gets her food, she pays with cash, 1981 there's no such thing as apple pay or anything like that and she leaves yeah (laughs) 
she goes she goes off and goes to her job interview now the first sort of i'm sort of distilling this story down because there's a there's a lot to unpack around it so i'm giving you the very meat of it there are further details and if and if people search for the vanishing cafe at piccadilly circus they'll find them but basically when she describes to the people that she has the job interview for when they say you know that question how was your journey here did you get here okay she says i was a little early and popped into this particular cafe and that sparks an interest with people oh i didn't know that existed oh that's really interesting that sounds great you know, a 1950s style cafe in 1980 yeah. with all the, the waitresses wearing pink gingham and serving you coffee out of, uh, you know, glass glass flasks. That sounds that sounds great. And it doesn't sound very Piccadilly Circus it, either. No, it? no, it doesn't. And of course, as you can imagine, because of the theme of this podcast, she goes back to it and it is not there. And... What is super interesting about this is that it did once exist, yeah. but it had long since vanished. And what is also really sort of stands out about this case is that she describes a number of features about the cafe that ring true to how it used to be. <clears throat> so she describes... Uh, the pine chairs she even describes the kind of horizontal slats that sit across the pine chairs right. uh, she also describes um in and it's these small details that make it uh, well actually on the chair front is a really good one because when you stereotypically think of a kind of 1950s 60s style american diner you think of those kind of metal and kind of faux leather kind of red chairs don't you you don't you wouldn't think of the ones that you're describing so yeah it's an interesting detail yeah 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 and um she also as part of her sort of um description that she gave to an investigator she talks about a swinging metal sign in front and it was that that led her into the cafe and and she's even drawn a little diagram of how the cafe looks so she kind of describes that as she came out of the so the obviously it's an underground so she's got stairs up to the uh the ground level and then as she turns away around the corner to the right she sees this metal sign you know advertising coffee and a cafe she's like oh this is perfect so she goes that it's that sign that draws her in Right. And then when she's in there, the, she describes this serving area, the layout of the chairs, some mirror tiles at one side, uh, a, this white door that the waitresses went through to get her coffee, this, as I've described, creepy old woman who was the other person in there. Uh, uh, and also she describes uh, a man, but she has no further details. So the, in, there's in, a lot of detail there. Right? There's a there's lot of detail, lot yeah. of description, kind of over and above, you know. Uh, over and above, that's right. And yeah, wow. as well, once she she drew this out, investigators realised that that such a thing really did used to be there. And, and uh, do we know when that was? Was that kind of yeah? So it it was in the fifties, and it, right. it like opinions vary on when it definitely closed down but 
it looks to be around the mid 60s. Wow. So there's That's incredible. And it's making me really want a kind of vanilla malt shake as well. Oh like, yeah. My stomach's rumbling while you're talking about it. I love an American diner. Again for our for our American listeners, I know it sounds weird, but it's a rare occurrence for us, isn't it, to have a good malt shake, a bit of kind of chili fries and a good burger is really it's not as easy as you think in the uk oh no no it's really really hard no there's there's a very disappointing thing we like you go into what you would think would be a place that would serve a decent milkshake and all you really get is some ice cream mashed up with milk and yeah, a yeah. straw in it's not oh. it's not exactly what you want but yeah. but i think what again what's interesting between um, that and the first case is that there are entities People. in there that yeah. she's interacting with. The second case is just the building appearing and disappearing. Yeah. In it, the second re- one, we you know and we've it, got. Waitresses. It reminds me. It reminds me again. I haven't got the full details of this, and maybe if we do um, we do a follow up episode, I'll dig it out properly. But I do remember a, a very different but similar style story. I think it was about. Uh, a pilot, um, I think it was after World War Two, but he was flying up to Scotland uh, and it was a lovely day and he was kind of, I think he was doing a reconnaissance thing or whatever, and he passes a, an airfield be- below him and there's lots of people and there's refueling tanks and everything. And he, he does a low sweep over this airfield just because there's loads of activity there and loads of military activity going on. And doesn't think much more about it. But on his return journey, he hits a storm around the same area that he'd seen this airfield and all the activity. And it was so bad that he thought he was going to have to land and, you know, take shelter from this storm, basically. He said, well, there's that airfield. I'll I'll just... I know it's around here because I saw it on the way up. And as he swoops down to have a look and to land at this airfield... It's completely abandoned and deserted. It's a run-down airfield. But on his journey up, he saw people working and fuel trucks and all that kind of stuff there. It's a, a similar kind of story where, mm. okay, the, the, the structures were there, but when he flew over it the first time, they were in perfect condition, not derelict, and they were derelict. And there was people uh on the ground and lots of activity going on so again as another kind of ghostly apparition that involves um the the buildings and the 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 surrounding you know non-organic stuff and spirits as well it's really interesting that yeah you see there's there's a lot of what is common between that airfield the diner and potentially although we're not sure that first case with the house that was relayed to me via email uh there are humans involved there and so it makes me wonder like what i can't work out with this phenomena is whether it is uh the you know the building re-imagining yeah. imagining itself or it is locked into something to do with the emotions of the people who are around there i mean an airfield is going to have i would imagine very very different emotions to 
you know, yeah, yeah. a 1950s coffee shop. But but maybe well, not. Well, sorry, I've got a question on the coffee mm. shop because mm. it's just, and it's stupidly, it's just struck me. I mean, she ordered stuff, right? Right. She drank Annette in there. I don't know if she ate, actually. I can't remember if she said she ate, but she at least had a cup of tea or a coffee or something. In That's there. right. You're, you're going to so ask she... whether the prices are time... <laughs> I wasn't. But, I, it's, but that's astonishing, isn't it? Not only... I yes. mean, I, I'm just imagining in my head if somebody was observing her at that time. Yes. What 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 would she did she disappear in time or was oh, she uh, this fascinating right? Yeah yeah it is it is and uh, one of the things that would tie it to some sort of evidence would be either money given back as change or yeah a receipt something like that and one of this led me to do some do some more digging because that was what I wanted to find out. I wanted to know whether she felt because you know the price of a coffee in 1981 is going to be very very different to how it is in the 50s, yeah. and even potentially a different currency with uh, UK decimalisation in 1971. Yeah, of course it, it would have been pre decimalisation. That's it? right, and so they should potentially have asked for her. Uh, her payment in shillings and pence and she would only have pounds and pence very very different currencies and this this in in this example that doesn't seem to be a problem it seems like she wasn't phased by the price of the coffee and they accepted her money and she doesn't take a receipt now doing a little bit more digging because I wanted to know if anyone else had managed to find a receipt from a, a haunted stroke time slip building. Yeah. I, I stumbled down what is a bit of a rabbit hole, but um, the uh, uh, the forum for the magazine, the Fortean Times, which has since it's been closed now for a couple of years, but there was an incredibly long-running thread on there uh, called the Disappearing Service Station, <laughs> and the the original story is about an owner who a car owner who is running out of petrol it's late at night they find they find a, a a gas station they fill up they're surprised to find the gas station doesn't take credit cards they pay with cash they do remark that it seemed cheap but not like crazy cheap um they take a receipt but then annoyingly mislay it right. and then can't find it afterwards at the, the gas station, that is. And so this, again, made me think, okay, so I can't find any evidence of, you know, artefacts being taken out of one of these places that appears to be part of a slip. And sorry, in your petrol station one, depending yeah. on how far it goes back, you've also then got the, you know, there wouldn't necessarily be un- unleaded fuel or whatever. So it could have been fuel that could have damaged the car. There's all stuff around that, right? I yeah, I don't know that, what the, that, the timings were. That's right. But the, the timings on this, again, they're not super modern. So it, right, it, okay. it, so I don't, it that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really come into it. It looks like it okay. was just, you know, simple four star leaded. That, that's fine. That, that would be interesting now, as obviously it probably wouldn't sell unleaded and you couldn't put it, you know, it wouldn't fit in any any modern car. Yeah. But 
that idea of so in that example there is there is a claimed receipt but they can't find it that is almost exactly the same as um fairy law so people who claim so you know if if you visit a um a fairy gathering and you're invited in right. and you know we'll put all aside you know you're not supposed to eat the food or anything but the the idea is that um you know you you maybe you steal so the fairies offer you a delicious looking sandwich and rather than eating it you put it into your pocket and run right uh, to show proof of where you've been and there are multiple accounts of people that have tried this and they get somewhere and then they reach into the pocket where they'd put the sandwich or the artifact and it's just dried leaves or a bit of so mud they cut, right so they cover their tracks so yeah but again so that, they cover that their makes, tracks that makes me think of back to your woman in the in the american diner she's the, not my woman well you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the, the 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 strange if she's got a malt shake she's mine um the the well it comes back to the fact of what what is she doing for that period that she's in there? Because yeah. let's, let's, let's assume she was in there for half an hour. You know, you talk about the, the you take away the kind of sandwich and it turns out to be bits of leaves. Mm. She, she, like you said, she is in one of the most densely, you know, trafficked area in London. Yeah. Or in the UK, basically. Yeah. And she disappears into this haunted world yeah for over half an hour let's say Mm. has coffee don't know if she had food or not but you know she is sat somewhere Mm. is she is she just sat on a wall and just in a kind of if you watched her would she be in some kind of weird it's intriguing to me that yeah what's going on at that point when she's actually in there yeah Uh, no i i quite agree yes would somebody have seen her almost like disappear yeah, because it, uh, it's different. It's different from seeing the example that you gave of the of the people uh, who sent you the story about seeing the woman and the cottage and stuff. It was the two of them, so you know, and they didn't kind of dwell really. They didn't dwell at the dwelling. They just kind of you know, yeah, they it, legged it, yeah, because they were scared. But this is you know, she's gone in somewhere. She's taken a seat. She's observed everyone around her. She's ordered something. She's consumed it, and then yeah. she's paid for it, and then she's left yeah. in one of the busiest areas of the UK in London. That's right. I'd love to know what was going on. Like, if you were observing her, what would yeah. be going on? Yeah. Or did well, she just disappear? Well, what also, like, now you say that, uh, the other things about that case are that she was able to provide evidence for example, of her of her job interview because um, it yeah. was successful and she got it. So there are documents which, which telling that, that story there. might have risked that, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. by the way, yeah, no, I really want the job. I just got to tell you, I found this really good haunted cafe down the road. Yeah. <laughs> it just appears and then disappears. Fantastic. I it? just had coffee with a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, well, it's been lovely to meet you. We'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to finish by... So I was looking for whether there was anything closer to home because we're, like we always say, we're out in um, the middle of the sticks in 
Oxfordshire. And I was trying to find something a little bit close to home with some landmarks that I recognised. And I found this on uh, an obscure subreddit that was absolutely nothing to do with the paranormal. Um, But it was... (laughs) It's quite a short tale, but it it fitted it fits exactly with what we've just been talking about, and it's written by um, it. I believe it's an American couple. I've tried to find out, but um, their username is no longer in existence. But um, the way that they write and the spellings suggest to me that they're probably right. American, and they're here on holiday in the Cotswolds. And they go to um, what is a, one of the most famous towns in the Cotswolds, which is Burford. And um, f- for anybody that doesn't know, it's, it is absolutely a tourist destination. And it's really uh, an old market town, an old English market town built almost exclusively uh, to the side of one main road that goes down a hill it's it's large on a hill at the bottom is a river and at the top is another main road and and burford kind of sits on half the valley of this and and it's quite easy to walk from one side of burford to the other you know in 15 minutes if if you're in any way fit and they describe not not after a cream tea not after a cream tea no but they describe they're staying in there is um uh, a hotel at the top of the hill just up on the other side of the main road on the other side of the roundabout and they're walking this way late at night having had a meal in the mermaid pub and i've had a meal in the mermaid pub i know it very well and as they're walking up the hill and so they say the pub is closed so this is going to be like half 11 midnight going back to their hotel on the left-hand side of the road, they describe seeing another house that seems darker and more grandly decorated than the other ones around it. And as they're interested in looking at old historical buildings from England, they make a mental note they're going to check this place out. They think it must have it must have some historical interest because it appears to be slightly different to the other houses so i get the logic they're thinking well you know it's obviously being kept in some sort of original state so they decide well the next morning they're going to wander down here because it's just opposite their hotel they'll take some photographs and if anyone's kind enough to tell them any details that would be great so literally as you would expect they don't think anything of it go to bed come back it's not there it, it, where it is is a bit of garden and some space allocated to something else it's just that house does not exist it was at the end of a row where the houses stop and they they just post it not for the paranormal thing but just the kind of wow that How was weird, weird. what yeah. were we thinking yeah yeah so wow. i quite like that from like an un uh sort of an unexplored yeah, it's not someone uh, trying input. to spook it up. <laughs> it's, just... it's no one trying. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It was just a really plain Weird and thing. honest account. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is this is a fascinating area, isn't it? It's like I just love. I just, I, yeah, my brain's boggling about how this works, and 
there's something so impressive about you know i mean like you're saying seeing a whole mansion house or a cafe or a just what an incredible experience it must mess with your head a little bit yeah i, I don't know if you got that from your people who uh, you reached out to shared their story and mm. thank you for doing that but it sounded like it messed with their head for a little bit because they were desperately trying to find out what what the hell had happened that's right and um i think because of what it does to a very logical worldview if that is your background um you don't talk about it so yeah they yeah, yeah, yeah. he mentioned that they don't they don't talk about they it they don't mention it yeah, no exactly and i think as well um coming at it from a paranormal background i think this is interesting to to sort of it's where does um where does a haunted building become a time slip I, yeah. so in the case of that appearing manor house there doesn't appear to have ever been a manor house apart from a spurious yeah. uh, mention on a map but the cafe it seems did exist yeah and, and same similarly with the airfield one I right think, in the uh, in the article where I read about it, it was a while ago now, so apologies if somebody knows this story and I've got any of the details wrong, but I think I'm recanting it as, as well as I can. But I think that was the ultimate conclusion that on this this air, uh, pilot's flight up, he'd, you know, time slipped. Not long, it was like 15 or 20 years. It was like he'd... he'd time slipped to the height of World War, of the World War, I think it was World War Two. And he'd flown over it like 15 years after the war had ended, mm. you know. So it wasn't a huge time slip, but it, it but it sounds similar to the cafe story in that way. But but your yeah your your appearing mansion seems to be a regular occurrence over yeah. a long period of over time, a long right? period of time. Yeah, yeah. By by you know accounts from people who have uh, nothing nothing to gain and everything to lose, which again is you know very common amongst a lot of paranormal um yeah, yeah. reports um and so sort of there endeth my my dive into that's really uh, fascinating i tell you what i want though i really want a, a mirage yeah i want a mirage of an indoor heated swimming pool just to appear like that cafe just kind of I've got a field at the back of where I live. Just, just there. Just if it could come every kind of, just for an hour a day, that would that would make me feel good. Yeah, but the thing about that is, you know how you were worried about what she would look like when she's in there having a coffee. Like, yeah. If you look like I was just in a field waving my arms around, well, it, it, half it, naked. It, well, it could totally could be naked. worse if you're in the changing rooms. Yeah, <laughs> so they might just see you naked in a field, and then yeah. you'll be in prison. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, honest, honestly, Your Honour, I I was in my haunted swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. And were your pants haunted? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. Really, that's really interesting. I'd be good to know if, uh, like you said, it's really hard with some of these stories and, you know, people are often... Uh, apprehensive about sharing them i think because they think hmm. they might get ridiculed or whatever but if you are listening to this and you've got a story drop us a line um 
let us know your story. If you want to remain anonymous, then we'll we'll just you know we'll tell it from an anonymous point of view and and not name you. But oh, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that cafe now forever. Robert, it's gonna, we'll call him Rob. No, we yeah. won't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to be thinking about that cafe now. Yes, yeah. that's just bonkers. Although there was a, there was a. Uh, I remember I used to go when I was younger. There was a, there was one a little bit further up the road from Piccadilly Circus, just off um, Charing Cross Road. There was a, an Ed's Easy Diner. That was it. There was one there that was really good. I don't know if you ever went there. But oh yeah, it's still there. Ed's it's Diner. Still there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's where you get a decent bowl shake. Yeah, you do. And a very, very decent burnt end. (laughs) We've all had that. Um, So that, uh, well, that was a free ad for Ed's Easy Diner. They can pay us in kind if we're ever in there. Um, Brilliant, Ben. Really enjoyed that. And uh, thank you to the people who who shared their story with you. It's really good that they did that. Yeah. um, Yeah. Thanks, guys. Wow. I want some chilli fries and a vanilla malt shake. Absolutely. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go outside and hopefully a diner will appear. We shall see. Yep. yep. Okay, good. Well, um, we'll see you. Uh, oh, go follow us on social media. The links will be in the description. Uh, go review us as well if you like on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. That would be superb. It really does help. It does help us a lot. Um, And we uh, will see you next time on The Quantum Mechanics. See you next time. Take care. Bye. Are you the quantum mechanics?